You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bringing you the best story, best trends, and best game from the best conference. Fourth and manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, guys, welcome into Fourth and Manageable with myself, Ashley Holder, and Brad Edwards, the genius, the guy that knows everything when it comes to SEC football, not even probably just football, everything SEC just in general. I, I'm going to have to come this up with This is so not true. By the I'm going to have to That's come all right. It's a good sell. Good sell. <laughs> I'm Keep always going to tell you, Brad, let me tell you something. They are going to love you if they don't already love you. Okay, just with my introductions by itself. But um, some couple, a couple of good SEC games coming up this weekend. We're going to talk about two huge matchups that everybody is going to be watching. Of course, we will as well. Let's start with Texas A&M and Arkansas. That other one is Tennessee and Florida. Guys, pipe down, pipe down. I know you're excited for us to break that one down. But like I said, let's start with that tennis or excuse me. Let's start with that A&M and Arkansas game. This one is a high-ranked um, game as well as a big one once again for A&M, who's just coming off a, another big win from Miami. Yeah, I mean, for, for both of these teams, you know, this is not the first big game they've played this season. Obviously, A&M had the unexpected loss to, to Appalachian State, but then the big game against Miami, now this one. You know, Arkansas opened up uh, with Cincinnati, and then uh, they had the the unexpected scare from Missouri State last week. So um, both both teams not exactly uh, just plowing into this one with a ton of momentum, uh, but it is a huge game and uh, and one that will have some significance in the SEC West. Uh, to me, the key to this game is going to be big plays, and I think especially through the air. You know, if you look at last year's game. Um, the touchdowns, there were three touchdowns in the game. Arkansas won at 20 to 10 and all three were long touchdowns. And uh, in the case of Arkansas, they were two long passes that both came in the first half. And basically that's when the game ended. And, you know, I I think for A&M, they have a a defense that's solid enough that you're not going to make a living just slowly moving the ball down the field. You're going to have to hit some big plays. And so for Arkansas, I think that's a key. They've got to be able to do that for A&M. Um, the reason it's such a big deal is because their running game has been so disappointing this season. You know, they they've switched quarterbacks now, and Max Johnson was okay against Miami, but they need to be able to make plays down the field because that's the weakness of this Arkansas defense is their secondary. They've struggled through three weeks. They're banged up in the secondary, and this is where they're vulnerable. And so if AM's going to exploit anything, get that offense moving, it's going to need to be through the air and being able to, to make plays 20-plus yards downfield. So I think for both teams, um, that's a key. And I think whoever wins this game is going to be the one that makes you know the most big plays through the air. It's interesting that you say that you have to have those big plays through the air because we were just talking about this the last episode where AM hadn't even reached, once again, 300 offensive yards. And you look at how they did win that game but still struggled offensively You know, to, to, to get – some some big plays, if you rather, if you want to say it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, look, two weeks ago when they lost to App State, their defense kept them in that game and and gave them a chance, but the offense just couldn't generate anything. Last week, A and M won because of special teams. 
And, and look, defense, the defense played well again. Right. Um, but it was really some big special teams miscues by Miami that was the difference there. And so uh, A&M's offense needs to show up. And this is going to be, look, with, with conference play, you know, kind of going into full force starting this weekend for most of the league, you know, you pretty much got SEC teams the rest of the way. And there aren't going to be many SEC teams on A&M's schedule that have a more glaring weakness on defense than what Arkansas has in the secondary right now. So uh, if, if A&M is, has the ability to throw the ball, we should see it, you know, coming up this weekend. It, it, they, we have to see it. Right. For for you, who would you say this is a bigger game for? Is this a bigger game for A&M, or are we looking at Arkansas really needs to, to make a statement as SEC play opens up? I think it's a bigger game for A&M just because of expectations. Now, Arkansas, obviously, with the higher ranking right now, they still have a zero in the loss column. So those are reasons you could say that that Arkansas maybe has more to lose. But I think when you when you take in consideration what was expected of these teams coming into the year uh, for Texas A&M, they thought they would be three and oh going into this game. And, and look. They, they won the Miami game, but once again, that was one that before the season started, they were expecting to win. Obviously, they weren't expecting to lose to App State. And so if, if they get to a point where they're two and two through four games, I'll tell you, it's going to feel a lot like last year. And last year ended up at eight and four. And just given everything that, that, that they had been able to do, not only with beating Alabama last year, but then the number one ranked recruiting class, this was supposed to be maybe not a run at the playoff, but it was supposed to be a really good year. Preseason number six ranking. If AM sitting there at two and two uh, with some really tough games remaining on the schedule, I, I, I think it's going to be a really disappointing September for AM, much more so than it would be if Arkansas loses this game and goes into October with a three and one record. I know you were just talking about how the defense also needs to show up as well. They did that against Miami to some extent, even though we know that that game was won through special teams, as you just mentioned. But what does the defense really need to accomplish when they're playing this ranked good team like Arkansas? Yeah, I, I mentioned that the key is, you know, the the big pass plays for, for both teams. That's how I think it's going to be decided. But if you're defending Arkansas, first and foremost, you need to stop the run. That's Arkansas's strength. And so, for AM, I, I think that's really where it starts is, is not let Arkansas get that running game going. Uh, but the other thing is their offense has to help them out because Arkansas yeah. will relentlessly pound and pound and pound. And if AM's offense isn't picking up first downs, eventually that defense is going to wear out. Now, I, I know they have good depth. They actually showed last week how much depth they have in the secondary and that they had couple of guys who were ejected for targeting in the first half. They had a couple of, of freshmen who were suspended. So they were very thin in the secondary and they held up for all four quarters against Miami. Uh, but this is a little bit different. We're talking now about testing that depth on the defensive front and uh, you, your offense has to help you out. They can't leave you where you're you know, sitting out there and allowing the other team to run 80 plus plays. Yeah, this one should be a pretty good game uh, that we'll be watching again. Texas taking on, uh, excuse me, Texas A&M taking on, um, God, you know, I literally just went blank, Arkansas. I was going to say something <laughs> else, but there we go. Hmm. Uh, another game that we're paying attention to, SEC, the biggest game of the week. It's coming. We're talking about it now, finally. Uh, Florida and Tennessee. Florida 
the Gators are going to go into a beautiful packed house at Neyland Stadium uh, where they do serve Gator on Florida uh, during Florida week. I do want to mention that. I never really liked Gator. In the stadium? They do. They serve Gator there uh, and they serve wow. by the stadium. Yeah, I do not like it. They say too. I mean, that, it's a popular American concession it's item. Gator. That's nasty. You guys tell right. me. You know, I've had fried Gator. Have you eaten different. it? Did you say you've eaten it? I have. They say it tastes like chicken. I, yeah, I it, it kind of does. Like for at least fried gator does. I, I'm not sure how other how many other ways you can make gator. But you can't tell me it's it's chicken or it tastes like no. chicken. But then tell me it's gator. Like you have to just be like, hey, this is chicken. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, okay, I really like this. But you, yeah. you, just, you just can't confuse me like that. But again, a lot of people uh Tennessee is clear favorites right now, but a lot of people. Some people will say, I uh, still think that Florida has a chance of coming to Neyland and take this game away from the Vols. Um, you look at last year's game, they had a three-point difference at halftime, and then they end up ultimately winning 38-14. to 14. Brad, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the, the case this year. Who do you see coming out on that first, and, and what's your key to, the, to, to a win for that team? I'm assuming you're going to say Tennessee. That is. I, I think Tennessee is going to win this game. I think Tennessee is, is clearly the better team right now, and they're at home. Um, Florida's going to have to to do something they haven't done all season long, which is get the passing game going. Remember that the opener when they beat Utah and everyone was so excited about Anthony mm -hmm. Richardson, their quarterback, and and he he looked great in that game. And there were people talking about him maybe being a top ten draft pick. Mm -hmm. And I'm you know I'm not saying that there's no way that'll happen because you watch him play, you you can see his ability, and and it's off the charts. But he still has a long way to go as far as experience and just figuring out how to play quarterback in the SEC. He's the key to this game because I think for Florida to be able to win, they have to be the team that gets the superior quarterback play. And, and it, it's going to require him to be able to deliver in the passing game in a way that he hasn't so far this year. And I, and I think he needs to find out how to get involved in the running game again, too. You know, week two, when they were basically shut down by Kentucky's defense, that was what Kentucky really did that Utah wasn't able to do, was mm -hmm. to keep him from running. Um, and then South Florida did a pretty good job of that again last week. And if he's not running, what is he giving you? Because and this is this is going to blow people's minds. If you haven't looked at Florida's stats through through three games now, Anthony Richardson right now for the season is completing barely over 50% of his passes. For fewer than 150 yards per game, he has zero touchdown passes this season. Three games, four picks, you know, two each in the last two games. So, I mean, the passing game is 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 almost a liability at this point for Florida. Uh, they they've got to be able to to get something out of that. And not, I mean, to win this game, I think they've got to get a lot out of it, not just something. Mm -hmm. uh, but something would be progress from what we've seen, especially the last two weeks. So it's safe to say that this game is probably more so bigger for Florida than it is for the Vols. Um, no, no, I, I don't think so. Because and the reason I say that is because Florida has a first year head coach. And while there was a lot of excitement after beating a top 10 team in the season opener, um, I, I think they can still be a little realistic about where they're supposed to be, you know, with the, especially with a quarterback who, who barely had more experience in the SEC than the head coach did. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so, so with Florida, yeah, you, you don't want it to end up being a seven and five type season. 
Um, but this is a game you can live with losing this as long as you as long as you look good and you're competitive. Um, they're going to be you know plenty of chances for more wins down the road. Uh, but for Tennessee, given the way the season started, this is a game that they really need to win. And I think especially when you consider, okay, they're 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 trying to build something. I mean, not that they aren't at Florida, but they're trying to to get back uh, to a certain point in Knoxville, and they know they still have Georgia and Alabama left on the schedule. Right. And and <laughs> when when you got those two you know you can't drop. It, like, if you're trying to have a really good season, you can't afford to drop a game, especially at home, against a team that's not as good as you are. And so for that reason, I would say this game is more important to Tennessee because for them to have uh, a really successful season, this is a game that they absolutely have to win. Yeah, and Tennessee right now averaging 52 points per game. Again, they they did play a kind of a no-name team when you look at last uh, week against Akron, but they are averaging 52 points per game right now. Um, they finished seventh in scoring offense last year under Coach Heupel's first year, so they're obviously off to a good start. But he's also got a lot of criticism. I was I, I was reading a couple of different article, articles where they were saying that the offense is too simple for the Vols and that they need to do, you know, a, a lot more. And they just more so it's simple. You rely on the quarterback to, to, to make those right plays, right? It's not too many, too many extra stuff on top of it. What, what do you make about that? I, I mean, what, what do you mean by simple? Because I mean, if it, if it works, um, Watch who cares? How, I mean, I'll tell you this, the Texas A&M offense, as far as the, the playbook and everything is incredibly complex. Um, how much good has that done them? All right. Like, like I, I, I can name a few teams um, that have been really good on offense that had a fairly simple playbook. Uh, just, you know, about 10 plays, they ran out of different looks and just did them over and over and over and really difficult to stop. And uh, I mean, it, one that comes to mind was the, the Auburn team in 2013 that, you know, came about 15 seconds away from winning a national championship. It wasn't much complicated to what they did. But what they did do, they did it really, really well. And I think this offense allows you to do that. So I don't know. Maybe maybe people are bothered by the fact they haven't run the ball that well uh, mm -hmm. so far this year. They certainly they could run it better. Um, another thing I think that, that Tennessee could do better offensively, is, I think they need to improve in the intermediate pass game. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking about, you know, 10 to 20 yards downfield, however you want to define it, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, they, they certainly have plenty of deep shots in that arsenal. They're going to take those shots, but the more that you can complete in the intermediate range, the more you're going to require those DBs to be honest, which is going to open up more, more of those opportunities further down the field. So those are two places that I can, I, I can see them needing to make progress or wanting to make progress. Um, but ultimately, I mean, so far so good. And, and, you know, I mean, is that good enough to beat, Georgia or Alabama? No. I mean, they're going to have to do some of those other things to win those right. games. But given where they are in the season yeah. and who they have coming up on deck, I'm not sure that yeah. they need to do a whole lot differently, you know, on offense. Like I, I look at on defense and the one place that I would say that Tennessee hasn't really been tested. I'm not saying they haven't been good, but where they haven't been tested is against the pass. And I mm -hmm. mentioned that's a key for Florida. They've got to find a passing game. Tennessee hasn't really played anybody this season that throws the ball very well. And, and, and that's considering that against Pitt, you know, Pitt's starting quarterback was out for the whole second half of that game, and the backup was injured for a good bit of that time. So, 
Um, whenever that comes, whether it's this Saturday against Florida or somewhere further down the line, that that's a question that we really have to have answered about this Tennessee team is, is how good are they in the secondary? You know, can they uh, be able to, to hang in there defensively against a team that throws the ball really well? Yeah, like you said, I mean, if it's if it's not broke, why why try and fix it and switch something else up, right? It's yeah, working. wait till you struggle offensively before you start well, nitpicking the offense. Exactly, especially if you're if you're averaging fifty two, you would hope that that actually continues against Florida, your arch nemesis in the way, if you want to say that. But uh, and we'll continue that conversation when it comes to the Vols as well as the Florida Gators coming up this weekend. Up next, Brad has a conversation with Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Stay with us. That's coming up next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, now happy to be joined by Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. And Mike, uh, this is a a rivalry with Tennessee and Florida that, uh, for those who are old enough to remember, used to be one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football for a time. How big is this game still to Tennessee fans? I think it is still huge, and I think it's exactly from what you said. I mean, this matchup through the 90s was basically a top 10 matchup routinely with massive SEC title consequences every single season. Uh, that's what this fan base, the older portion of it, but I mean, I'm, I'm 34 and that's what I know it as too. Um, so I, I'd like to not think of myself as old. Uh, so <laughs> I think even if, if you just grew up in the nineties, you kind of know that this game had a huge impact every single season. And yeah, I think that that's kind of the vibe that, that Tennessee fans have about it still is that this is still a massive deal. Even if they have lost 16 of the last 17 meetings. Yeah, so just just hang out close to me, and and nobody will ever uh, think that you're old. So that's <laughs> that's a good way to take care of that problem. Um, yeah, I mean it is it is crazy how one sided uh, the rivalry has been recently, especially since for most of that time, Florida hasn't been all that good. I mean, really, since Urban Meyer left, um, I don't want to say they haven't had good teams. But they certainly haven't been dominant. And it, you know, there have been many years where it seemed like it was a pretty even matchup. So yeah, it is it is one of those that I, I can understand if Tennessee fans just kind of have a mental block about it because there, there's so many of these years they felt like that they could win or even should win, but just somehow found a way not to. So let me ask you this as as we uh kind of go into this game, what is the injury situation? I know. Uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, there's a little bit of a question there. Anything else that, that that's going on that we should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, Josh Heupel yesterday talked about kind of the overall injury picture. He said he's hopeful uh, that all of those guys will be back and ready to go, and obviously that includes Cedric Tillman. I'm not sure if that's overly optimistic because that didn't look like a pleasant injury um, last week against Akron where he kind of got hit low on a high throw from Hendon Hooker. Uh, Jabari Small is the starting running back. He went through full practice Tuesday, so it sounds like he's good to go. Um, but yeah, Cedric Tillman's obviously the big one that, that everyone's going to be paying attention to. He's Tennessee's most talented receiver. Um, not the leading receiver right now because Jalen Hyatt is having such a good season. But yeah, Cedric Tillman, I mean, I don't know if it's a coin toss or what it is, but Josh Heupel's optimistic. I might be less so. <laughs> 
as someone who's who's watched this team not only through the offseason but now through three games, what do you think is the biggest unknown with Tennessee? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, offensive line is one to me. I don't know that, that unit has been really tested yet. I mean, they put they played Pitt, had a decent defensive front. Uh, I thought they did okay in that game, but I still want to see that unit. It's a very experienced unit, especially on the interior of the line. Um, I don't know that I trust the tackles fully at this point. Uh, Gerald Mincy is a first-year starting tackle at left tackle. Darnell Wright at right tackles played a lot of games. Um, I think he's, he's kind of those swing guys, guard tackle guys that they've had at tackle throughout his, his whole career for the most part. Um, I want to see how that unit holds up. I've been really impressed with how Tennessee's got after the quarterback through three games. I want to see them do that against top competition. Uh, and Florida has a good offensive front. They run the ball well. Uh, so that's going to be a good test this week. But yeah, I think overarching it's the lines and then probably the defense as a whole, just wanting to know what that unit is because it looks like it's a lot better than it was last year. But Akron and Ball State aren't exactly the best barometers to know how good a defense is. Right. Yeah. And then and then Pitt uh, obviously played the second half of that game without a starting quarterback. So you, you, you've got some certainly some some reasons to question uh, what you've seen so far from Tennessee. But most of it has has looked really good. How about on the Florida side? What are the Tennessee coaches and players saying that concerns them the most? What, what, did, what do they look at with Florida and feel like they've got to prevent from happening? Yeah, I think big play run bus has, has got to be the focus. Uh, Florida does run the ball well. They don't pass the ball effectively at all, uh, as we've all kind of seen and talked about with Anthony Richardson. Just They're one of three teams in the country without a passing touchdown uh, to this point in the season, which is kind of wild. More wild that USF is one of the other ones, and that's who Florida played last week. So hope you all enjoyed that game last week without any real aerial threats. Um, it was yeah. competitive, at least. It, it, was competitive. it was a great, great game. Balls didn't move a lot through the air. Uh, <laughs> definitely didn't move well through the air on USF's last field goal attempt either. Uh, so maybe that was part of it. But yeah, I, I think run bust. Um, the linebackers containing Anthony Richardson is going to be key because he is a guy that can really hurt you if he does get out and make plays in space but they're going to run the ball. I mean, that's what, that's what Florida's doing offensively. So that, that's got to be the concern. All right. Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel joining us here on fourth and manageable where this game fits into Tennessee's overall season, just you know, considering where the program is right now, is it a bigger deal to win this game or a bigger deal to lose this game? Oof. Now that's a really good question. Losing this game, I think, would be damaging uh, on Tennessee's perspective. They're 3-0. and You win this game. You head into open week. Then you head to LSU. You're positioned well uh, right there at that point in the season to go into October. And you position yourself, frankly, well to potentially be 7-1 and going into November, um, which is something Tennessee hasn't seen in a while. And that would be a huge situation for the program. So I, mean, I, think, I think it's more damaging to lose this one because you can feel the excitement and there's also the reality, you kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, that Tennessee has had teams on par with Florida, maybe better than Florida, and still lost this game. Mm -hmm. This, to me, is the biggest gap where Tennessee is clearly the better team right now. Um, and you can't lose the game when you've clearly got the better team. They're about 10.5-point favorites, which you don't see in this rivalry, especially the Tennessee side of it. Yeah, it so caught me off guard when I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I, I expect them to be a comfortable favorite, but that mm – -hmm. that I mean, I say it feels high, but if you ask me to pick one side or the other, I'm laying the points with Tennessee because they Florida scored it has been so unimpressive the last two games. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they score the ball, and Florida has a harder time scoring. I mean, there, there's a path that you see for Florida to win this game because Tennessee has been a little bit more of a slow starter this year than they have been in previous – or last year under Josh Heupel uh, through those games. If Florida can get out there, score an early touchdown, kind of take control of the clock, I mean, there, there's a path to that. But Tennessee scores so many points and looks so much as the superior team right now that losing this game I think would be pretty damaging. You mentioned the possibility of starting seven and one. I assume you're you're talking about a loss to Alabama there as, as, as the one. But I'm curious, just with the Tennessee fan base right now, as far as their level of belief. I mean, yeah, sure, a, a ten and two season is is very doable if you just you know beat everyone except for Georgia and Alabama. How much at this stage do they actually believe that they could do more than that? How 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 high do they dare to dream? Man, I don't know about how high the dreaming is, but going into the season, you kind of heard that you you could sense, you know, eight and four feels like it's got to happen. Just given the schedule, the way it falls, uh, where some other programs are right now. And also just the optimism that built from Josh Heupel's first season. I mean, getting to a bowl game with that roster was an accomplishment. They lost two dozen ish scholarship players after Jeremy Pruitt was fired. I mean, they, they had a very thin decimated roster last season. And what Josh Heupel came in and did was really impressive. So naturally, the expectations grew up. Um, and they've continued to just with the 3-0 start, talking about the number 12 team in the country. Uh, I mean, Tennessee is in a spot right now that they're positioned well to potentially have a really special first couple months and then find out what you're really made of in November. But yeah, the optimism is there. And it's understandable. This is a fan base that went through the end of the Butch Jones era, which was just a disaster. And it went through three years of Jeremy Pruitt, averaging about 22 points a game every year. And now they're going to Neyland Stadium and seeing a team drop 50 on the regular. Um, so there's optimism just based on the fact that they're seeing a team that can score the football, which is not something they saw for the past three years, prior three years. Yeah, prior. right. And, and so you mentioned, you know, the couple of coaches right before Heupel, but going back for, I mean, all the way back to, to Lane Kiffin, as you know, I mean, basically since Philip Fulmer, there, there's been this this revolving door and all this inconsistency. How much belief is there among the fan base that Josh Heupel is the answer and that if he has success, he's going to stick around? Yeah, you know, this fan base is interesting because there's always that hunger. I mean, this is the fan base that, you know, feels like 98 is something you hear. You, you walk to these games and you see 98 jerseys all over the place. <laughs> I mean, that's just this fan base is hungry to get back to that level. Uh, and you mentioned just the coaching turnover. There's been so much of it, so much inconsistency in that role, so much close to success, but not quite getting to the success. Specifically, Bush Jones' era, there were you know a couple of years there, nine win seasons. There's a belief that Josh Heupel can win games here, and he's shown that, um, which is interesting because coming in, he's not. He wasn't the biggest name hire. Um, obviously, came with Danny White, who was his AD at UCF. So there's just kind of a, all right, what's going to come of this? But the thing that Josh Heupel does that allows him to win games and should bring optimism is, again, the points. Scoring is the equalizer, and football has become a game of scoring points. You I mean, you see what Alabama's doing with Nick Saban. He's adapted, changed what he does, because that's the era that college football is in right now. Josh Heupel won games last year because of the fact that his offense could score. They didn't have enough talent to win games, but they won because their offense can score. As he gets more talent in here and continues to have an offense that can score points that way, it's going to be really interesting to me to see what level this gets to, because I do think it can get to a double digit win type program because Tennessee has all the resources, all the access to talent to do that uh, on the regular basis. The problem is 
every year you play Georgia and Alabama as two of those games, which when that's probably the two best programs in college football right now and in recent history, you have to play them every year. So almost look at a 10 and two ceiling uh, in those seasons because you've got to play those two programs. And that's assuming that you don't go and lose a game to a Kentucky, which is a good program. Florida is always going to be good. So there's a bar there that's hard to eclipse. Yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier that I'm old. Uh, I was at that 1998 season national championship game working it for ESPN. So, uh, and and I can tell you, it feels like a long time ago. I'm sure it feels even longer for the Tennessee fans. We'll see if this is a season uh, that they end up making some sort of step back toward feeling like they could get there again. Well, uh, Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, thanks a bunch for your time. Thank you for having me. Now we bring back in Ashley for our normal final segment, which is questions from our listeners. So what do you have for us, Ashley? Yeah, Rick says, I have watched Vandy a few times. I think they'll be tough out for teams. What are your thoughts on that? Vandy, that's interesting. Vandy being a tough out. I don't think that they're going to be a tough out for Alabama this weekend. Poor Vandy. 21 (laughs) consecutive losses in the SEC. That's brutal. And their first three conference games – are at Alabama, home against Ole Miss, and then at Georgia. So whether they'll be a tough out for any of those teams, I'm doubting it. But I I think the gist of your question is that Vandy has improved from last year and the last two years. And and I would agree with that. Um, They've gone from being a bad team to an average team. And I, that might sound like a backhanded compliment and I guess it is, but, but, but they are noticeably better and they're, they're better enough. I think the the losing streak in conference play is going to end this year. Um, but you look at that schedule and it, it is tough. There are a few games on there that, you know, I think they're going to really struggle uh, to, to really push teams into the fourth quarter, but there are a few, um, you know, look at, at Missouri and South Carolina in the East are a couple that, that I think they have a really good chance to win. And then uh, to me, the jury's still out on Florida. You know, how good is Florida? Uh, is, is this a team, especially if it were to get banged up? Um, would it be possible later in the season for Vanderbilt to maybe in Nashville be able to pull an upset of the Gators? That's a team that I can see them potentially being a tough out for. Um, but most of the rest of them on the schedule, I, I don't really see it as much. I, I think Vandy's going to – they're going to have some ugly losses. But yeah. if they can if they can just end that conference losing streak, then I think in, in a certain way they would consider this season to be successful. Yeah. It's it's little games, right, when you look at Vandy? Yeah. You, you just try and do what you can. You, you can. just win, win a conference game, you know, baby steps. Yeah, you know, we're not asking you to win the SEC. We're just asking <laughs> you to win one conference game. But Cooper says, as we're talking about the SEC, you know – as we get into heavier conference play, what's your biggest question when it comes to the SEC right now? <laughs> As we know, this is a top-heavy league. Um, and Huge. I would say my my biggest question is actually, and I, I'll say this with a straight face, is anyone going to play Georgia within 20 points before the SEC championship game? Because I look at that schedule, and I, I don't know if you have it, we're able to pull it up in front of you, Ashley, while I'm talking about this, but – Tennessee, which has to go to Athens, is the only game that I can think of off the top of my head where I give them a decent chance to come within 20. And now I'm, you know, there are Tennessee fans out there. Like, what are you talking about? We can win this game, you know, whatever. And we'll, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how Tennessee looks yeah. this weekend. I might change my tune on that and 
you know, maybe, maybe say, I think they can come within 10 points. Um, but, but as of now, I, I'm, that's the only team I can see being within three touchdowns of Georgia that's on that schedule because yeah. in the West, they play Auburn, which they play every year. Auburn is, in my opinion, the worst team in the West. And they play Mississippi State, who might be the second worst team. Now, I think Mississippi State's a good bit better than Auburn. But, I mean, that was a pretty disappointing performance by State last weekend at LSU. where They basically just got shut down in the second yeah. half. And uh, not a lot of positives to take out of that if you're a State fan. And so if, if you're looking for, uh, for, for either of those two teams from the West to be able to give Georgia a game, I, I don't see it. And in the East, like I said, Tennessee is the only one. It's certainly not going to be Georgia Tech. We saw Ole Miss roll up a 42 nothing on Georgia Tech last weekend. So it's not going to be that one at the very end of the schedule. What a nice so, way. Yeah, that, that, that's, that legitimately is my big question for the SEC. I mean, look, you could say, well, will Alabama lose a game in the regular season? That would be another good question. Um, but, but to me, that's really what it comes down to is, uh, is it's the dominance. How, do, how dominant will the teams at the very top be? Right. I mean, I'm just not understanding at this point why not just go ahead and put a Georgia Alabama. Let's just do it, you know. Um, just, I mean, it's we know it's going to happen. So why are we just not doing it now? Bye, bye, bye. Just you know. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just just. You just just making those guys go out there week after week and risk getting players hurt and. You know, yeah, if the, if the SEC really wanted to look out for its national championship interest. Of course, you would just say these games don't need to be played. We'll let Alabama and Georgia rest up, and then they'll they'll square off in December, and then they'll both make the playoff, and then may the best man win in uh, in January. That's exactly how it's going to go, Brad. That's why I call you the prophet. Yeah, exactly. Guy, you know. <laughs> it's so simple. I mean, why why am I not the commissioner of the SEC? I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just hire me when you do get yeah. to that uh, position. That's all I'm saying. But uh, another question coming from Jay: Which SEC team right now would you say is the most overrated team? That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, and I, the, the answer I'm going to give is I hate to do this because this this is the team that I picked before the season as my sleeper. And they're still undefeated. And they're ranked in the top 10. And that's the reason that I'm saying they're the most overrated is because of where they're ranked right now. Arkansas. Okay. Okay, and and the only the reason I say that is this: it's not that I don't still think that Arkansas can have a a, a really good season, but if you look at just kind of what they've done through the first three games, okay, they they are above average on offense. I think they're below average on defense, and you put it together, you know, offense plus defense, they don't look like a top ten team to me, and 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 I I don't think they look close to top ten. And, and so that's why I would say they're the most overrated because when you start looking at the other teams um, around them, I mean, sure, you could you could say Kentucky's overrated at number eight, but are they that much overrated? I, they I think they have a really good defense. The offense has a ways to go, but they could get better. The problem with Arkansas is that they have so many injuries on defense. I'm not sure they can get a lot better on that side of the ball. And, and right. you know, I mean, if you're the coaches, what can you do? I mean, you're, you're already playing guys that you weren't planning to count on when the season began. And there's just going to be some growing pains there. And they're going to give up some big plays and they just have to try to overcome them with, with better offense. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my answer to the question is, is Arkansas. Not because they aren't good, not because they aren't legitimate top 25, but they don't really look like a top 10 team mm -hmm. to me. And that's where they're ranked. 
And that's what we'll get to see as they play Texas A&M, a big game for both of them, as you were just saying, more so for, I believe you said Arkansas, right? That you said that was probably more so. No, I said it's a bigger game for A&M. A&M? Yeah. Yeah, but just because of preseason expectations. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I don't know where those preseason expectations are <laughs> for this team right now. But they square off at 7 p.m. That one's a late-night uh, kick. And then Tennessee and Florida take uh, kick off at 3.30 p.m. So those are going to be a fun uh, couple slates of, of ranked SEC teams, except for Florida when you look at at that squad. So we should be excited yeah, about that. This a lot t- of this we, we get our first uh, big, you know, CBS – SEC conference game and uh and so this is the this is the way it starts and by the way I mean you're 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 young right I mean I I'm I'm so old if you could can't <laughs> tell the gray the gray hair like I, I I remember when Tennessee and Florida was was not just one of the biggest games of the year in the SEC but Tennessee Florida for many years like like second half of the 1990s and maybe 2000 2001 and that range Mm-hmm. was was always one of the biggest games in the entire college football season. You knew before it kicked off, this is going to be a pivotal game um, inside track to the national championship. And uh, I, I I hope it can get back there because those, yeah. those were a lot of fun. And especially when they're played in September, because to have a game that early in the season that you know is going to be incredibly meaningful it's rare. I mean, most of the time, the big yeah. games are late. They're like the rivalry games and, of course, the conference championship games. Um, but this is this is one that was always played early, and it always had a lot on the line. And almost all the time, you'd look back at the end of the season, and you're like, yep, that was the game that not only decided the SEC East, yeah. but also had a big impact on the national championship race. And um, yeah. I know both programs want that to be the case again pretty soon. Yeah, and let's not forget the most important important part of that of that game, which is the bragging rights, Brad. I mean, that's all we care about, right? It's just to stop Florida saying we they have the streak against us and beating us. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, and Florida, Florida will tell you that they care more about the Georgia game. They'll say, "Ah, oh, Georgia's our." Tell you something. The best you know? the best uh, memory I have of Tennessee and Georgia, two words: Hail Mary. Okay, I don't have yep. to say anything that's, else about it. That's the only game I ever acknowledged. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't too big of a fan of Josh Dobbs, but that game. I love that man. I hey. will tell you that that was that that was probably top ten plays for me in my life. I got to figure out the rest of them, the the ranking, but it's definitely reaches top ten. One play, like, one play is all it takes to to exactly. your, your spot in, in history. You know. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that against Georgia again this year. If so, we again will be yeah. in a row. Well, and and <laughs> there was one of those against uh, Florida, but it was by Florida. It was right around the same time. Was it the same season, or was it maybe a season? After why, would that. Bring, why would you bring that up? Why, why would I? Why would I bring up bad memories? I don't know, Brad. Well, I don't. I don't know. You know and I don't. These I don't these, these final that. play of the game, hail marys, completed for touchdowns or whatever. But know. yeah, they they seem to follow Tennessee around one way or the other. Exactly. They were with the big brother than the little brother, basically. Yeah. But again, Tennessee and Florida at three thirty. Texas A and M, Arkansas at seven p.m. Tyler Bray as well as Brad are going to be there breaking down the fun right after the game. So make sure you tune into that. Thank you to also Mike Wilson who joined us from the Knoxville News Sentinel and gave his awesome thoughts about this matchup on Saturday. We'll be back on Tuesday again to break it down with myself and Brad. Again, make sure you tune into our fourth and manageable with Brad and Tyler Bray right after the action all goes down. Saturday. But until next time, Brad, we'll we'll close it out until Tennessee gets another win and remains undefeated. We'll talk about it Saturday night. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll catch you next week.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.